Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Welcome to Inside Out episode 11. Today's guest is a Breathworks facilitator and has spent the last two decades working in women's health. Her name is Nicola Lay. Nicola has a strong passion to share her knowledge in supporting women throughout the various stages of life, primarily surrounding the transformations we experience throughout motherhood. In this episode, we unpack how breath adds value in your day-to-day and how her work is changing the lives of women all over the country. We also delve into the transitional season of motherhood where Nicola and I share our journey with postnatal depletion along with how her coaching impacted my recent birth with my daughter. This episode has so many takeaways for all women. So for those who may not be in the season of motherhood, this episode is absolutely for you too. If this conversation resonates with you, please share to your social media and spread this message and ensure this episode is heard by the women in your life. For those who haven't heard of you and your work, can you share a little on your background in the health space? Mm, So great to be on here, Chris. I'm so excited. So yes, I have been working with women for over 23 years um, in a capacity um, originally as a therapist, as um, a reflexologist, remedial therapist and aromatherapist. So I did that initially um, and I guess that's where I came into breathwork was I used to work with people that came in a lot of pain um, and they were really struggling with stress and anxiety and just life. And I realized that most people were not breathing very well, um, causing them to have upper neck issues and headaches and so on. And then that kind of then led into working in palliative care, where I was a leading therapist in a palliative care unit for three and a half years, where I sat and held space for people in a therapy capacity on their last days and also working with grieving um, families. And again, when people are grieving, they don't breathe. Um, When you're dying and you're at your end stage of life, breath becomes very difficult. So I would work with lots of um, oncology and home visits and working with palliative care nurses where we would help to give people um, the ability just to rest and, you know, be at peace. So that was a lot of breath work came in there as well. And then I went to the other side of that where I went into like moving people because I also wanted to like help them, but I also wanted to move better. I wanted them to breathe better. So I um, got into doing Pilates and taught people how to move and breathe and find their pelvic floors and diaphragms and all those things. Uh, And I also then became um, pregnant and I was specializing in pregnancy and postnatal care um, about sort of nine years ago, 10 years ago now. And it was always something that was really a big thing for me. And fell into pregnancy, thought, this is it. I'm going to rock this pregnancy. I'm going to have 
birth of my dreams and had very the the very polar opposite to that (laughs) which we can obviously dive into in a little while but yeah I then learned how to um I did hypnobirthing for myself but I found the missing component was breathing so I went off on my own tangent to find more about how to breathe my baby out and um and yeah and I did that I I didn't breathe her out but I breathed all the way through my birth and then came out of that just wanting to shout to all the mums you've got to be able to find your breath if you can't breathe in birth it is almost you know it's a game changer and also how can you you know get through that without breathing um and then that led me into postnatal um, anxiety for myself but then you know dealing and working with you know hundreds of women that were having these awful moments of anxiety really not coping but not really saying and then that's kind of where Breathwork came in for me with my own postnatal um, journey and I fell into breathwork in the capacity that I'm in doing now, not clinical, but more of a, a mindset breathwork um, and body, mind and spirit breathwork. Five years ago up here on the Gold Coast where I walked into my first breath, breath class and I was so excited because I'd never seen or heard anything like that before and there it was the arrival of me coming out of that class going every single woman needs to do this work and it's kind of taking me on my journey until now where I'm now breathing hundreds and hundreds of women and loving the work and loving the results of the breath work for women and being able to help them you know just let go so yes in a roundabout way that's where I've been for the last 23 nearly 24 years now yeah just incredible and diving into breath work which you know obviously you've just touched on that it's not just limited to breath it's spirituality work involved Mm -hmm. which I know we'll dive a little bit more into later on today can you share that first experience that you had in that first breathing um class Oh, even thinking about it gives me the full body chills. Like it was so, so transformational for me. Um, You know, I, at that moment in my life, I had a very small child and, and you know, I think they were uh, just over a year. And then my other one was just coming up to sort of four. And it was a really, you know, we all know what that that's like, trying to juggle the children. My husband worked away 70% of the time. We'd moved from Sydney to the Gold Coast to do a life change. I didn't have any friends. I was very alone and very postnatally depressed. You know, I didn't realize how bad until I stepped into that class. And, you know, I was always the one that went out to fix everybody. So I was always, for all of my life, wanting to make everybody else happy, but really just gave up on myself and I kind of put myself to the bottom of the barrel. So I stepped into this class and I breathed and I just felt my body felt alive for the first time in I don't remember, you know. And I laid there and I was breathing and I found it very difficult at the beginning. And then I just kept realizing that I am holding on to life like a roller coaster. I don't really want to live it but I'm just going to make through it, you know, just that I'm just going to get through this. If I can get through today, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And I realized in that moment of the breathing that I was not fun. I'd really lost my way. I'd forgotten who I was and I was existing and I wasn't living. And it was all coming through like floods. And then all the tears were coming and the just the forgiveness to myself and just even thinking about it, just, you know, just brings in that moment for me so much 
and I, I sort of sat up and I was with people I didn't know, quite vulnerable. And I just kept thinking to myself, this is it. This is the change that you've been looking for your whole life you know, with family trauma, childhood trauma, you know, we all have the things that we carry. And I remember walking out of that class crying, but blissfully happy. Like I had this huge smile on my face. I was tingling all over my body. I felt this huge sigh of relief that I'd almost like someone had taken a backpack off my shoulders. And I just thought, I sat in the car and I was journaling and journaling. It was just flowing out of me. And I hadn't done much journaling up to that point. And I remember thinking to myself, Nick, you've got a choice. You know, you can go back to life that has been existing, really quite unhappy, not really loving life at all. Or you can do something really different and step into this. And I just wanted to shout to every woman. I wanted to stop them and say, did you know I've just done this experience? And I think you'd love it. (laughs) I joined a cult or something. (laughs) And that, yeah, that was my, it was a spiritual whole body awakening. I could literally feel the blood through my veins. That's how um, immediate it was for me. It was, it was completely cathartic, changing, life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've um, heard a lot about other women doing your breathing classes and the traumas that do surface for them and um, how healing it is being in that space. And even though, you know, you are in a in a space where you're with people you don't know and usually a lot of women, I know for me, that I would feel fear of judgment. But um, in that moment, a lot of women don't have that fear anymore because they're, they're going through so many other emotions. And mm-hmm. that's really incredible that, you know, there's a lot of healing work in breathing um do you feel that there was a profound moment where everything really shifted and I suppose not that moment of that first experience but further on Mm. and you really understood the substantial depth and opportunity for healing in the work you're offering was it perhaps with a client or something that you've experienced in your journey I think it's been I always relate to the breath work or us as people um, as onions. I know it sounds a bit weird. So imagine an onion right now. So you've got, you know, when you're peeling an onion, you're like, oh, for God's sake, these layers are really hard to get the skin off. And some layers peel off really easy. Some don't. Um, and if you look at onion, it's so composed of so many different layers. But in the side, I always sort of try and get people to imagine that there's this beautiful pearl or a diamond inside that onion and every single time we do work on ourselves with breath work or but for me it's breath work every time I breathe or I breathe with someone I can see a layer gets peeled away they're getting closer to seeing that beautiful shiny themselves you know their shiny you um And I don't think that often, you know, some people really hang on to their layers, you know. And for me, I felt that in my own journey of breathwork, that first one was magical. And everybody's first breathwork is always fairly profound. And then you'll go through other breaths after that, that you're chasing to get back to that first breathwork experience. And you're kind of chasing the bliss, they call it. Uh, And it probably took me another eight to ten breathwork sessions to really just let go of my own judging myself trying to be the perfectionist in the breath work 
trying to analyze myself, judging and just trying to overthink it to then going, I have to surrender. I have to trust the process and let go. And as soon as, and by the way, I am, um, I'm reformed control freak, but it still comes in. (laughs) I think most people or most women are control freaks themselves and they might not want to admit it, but they are. The, The ego was holding on for dear life and, um, And I think for me, it took me so long to let go of myself that it was, it was crazy. It was the experience after that became much more spiritual, much more uh, in depth, a lot of big layers peeled away to the point where, you know, I would go and make a phone call to my parents who I hadn't spoken to for four years and just had that first really brave discussion. So it's, it gives you clarity. It lets go of all of the hurt and the pain and, and you can see things much more with an eye of love rather than from blame or hurt or so that's what you get when you do the continual breath work it it gives the ability to get down to that shiny shiny diamond inside of yourself and for me the other every time I breathe someone I heal something inside of me at the same time you know because when you're opening and holding space for people to be vulnerable to open and expand and grow you always will see something in you that reminds you of you or you really like feel their pain and you you resonate with that you can't not you know we're all humans doing this life together and that's what I love is the breath work doesn't involve words it involves feel and energy and release and um just complete surrender (laughs) does that make sense oh absolutely and I love that so much now just diving into the work a little bit more um and the privilege of the work that I had to do with you and what that involves because it wasn't just surrounding the physical breath work and I think that from my own ignorance surrounding this that I had associated to being quite it to be quite simple Um, but there's just so much more spiritual work involved and I want to share one of the first exercises that you and I did which was that you got me to get out a piece of paper and a pen and you asked me a series of questions and I had to answer these and um, one of the questions was surrounding fear and what I was holding limitations on my birthing experience because of the fears I was internalizing which I'll go more into in just a moment but for women that are uneducated like I feel I really was in breath work can you take us through what is involved in breath work and why it's so beneficial to a women's woman's birthing experience Mm. I think that well I know that you know many years ago birth wasn't as feared as it is now um, because we're now social media we listen a lot more and women tell other women the horrific trauma that they experience in birth I don't know why women do this to each other, but they do. I think it's because women um, are not getting the education around a a static birth, a blissful birth, but just the horror stories. And if you watch a film, all you'll see is women doing these terrible birth scenes where they're screaming and hollering. And I think that women just assume that that is what birth is. So even from a young child, like even my daughters will say, mommy, did it hurt when, when you had me? And I'm like, you know, it's not going to be comfortable, but when you do the work to let yourself be free of the fear, 
it is a beautiful experience bringing your own child into the world and with the breath work and the way that I take the breath into pregnancy and birthing is that we do look at what the fears are that are around your own belief in birth what did your mum tell you what have other people told you and when you're able to see that it's their story it's their journey it doesn't have to be your journey. It doesn't need to be that at all. You can create and visualize your own idea around birthing. And you know, births are your own journey, your own initiation into motherhood. And honestly, over 23 years of working with pregnant women, you'll see the women that come in that are fearing birth so deeply that they they will manifest their own fearful birth often and I and I know that might be a trigger thing to say but if you reflect for any listeners out there that if you're reflecting on your own birth and you know that you are absolutely in fear arriving in that birth and you had a, a you know an a horrible experience then often that can be because you weren't able to let go and surrender to the process and often um, we don't look at education around birth as being necessary but I think the great thing about now in this moment in time there are so many women that want to empower themselves going into birth they want to do the work they want to learn how to bring their their babies into the world with peace and calm and you know, not every birth is peaceful and calm due to medical things that do happen sometimes in birth. But even in those moments where things are crazy, um, the education that you can receive before can then empower you to have more of a decision in all the things that come up for you while you're in birth. All the things that you can do to prepare your mindset in and whatever comes up for you in birth. And we're not always in charge of our birth. Our body and our baby are the ones that determine our birth. But if we get in our own way, if we're standing in our own way with fear and and, and feeling completely like you want to want to run away from your birth, how does that then play out in your birth? I And I, I hope that makes sense because it's kind of like you're fighting yourself in birth if you don't let go of yourself. But then how do you let go? And and that's how I educate women is how can you stand out of your way and let your body birth your baby? How can you assist your body rather than resist and fight your body? And that's where the breath work is so magical and transformational because the breath is your guiding tool to stop the overthinking, the anxious mind and allow women to stand into the birth using their breath, calming their, their sympathetic nervous systems down, which is your fight and flight. And there are moments in birth where the fear mindset does step in. But when you know the techniques around hypnobirthing or breath work, you're able to say to your anxious mind, we've got this, whether that's in affirmations, whether that's breathing deeper. But honestly, 
I think and I know because I had an you know I had an inducted um, birth because I was very overdue with my baby my first one and I breathed for 26 hours worth of induction which anyone that's been induced will know that that can be quite an intensive experience um and lots of people found that wow that was horrific and I'm like no it was amazing I actually did it I breathed and I'm I used to be the woman that didn't like any kind of pain or any kind of sensations of being uncomfortable and when I used my breath I was doing it I was rocking this uncomfortable feeling and bringing it into the moment and just seizing the day and saying to myself this is my journey I can use the breath to calm myself down in all of the moments and just keep bringing in that oxytocin, that love hormone by using the breath. And and honestly, when you are pregnant and if anyone is pregnant listening to this, when you can use simple breath work, you can change everything in your pregnancy and in your birth just by using the breath to help calm the mind, the body, the nervous system. Mm. Mm. incredible um just to allow myself to be quite vulnerable in this conversation with you now um i will share that that my fear um when we were doing that first exercise that i told you was that i was waiting for the ball to drop so i was heavily pregnant and and quite happy where my life was at and where it was currently standing um but i did feel at that point that going into labor it was all too good to be true true and i was waiting for something horrible to happen um Mm. And then we we went back and you worked through this with me is that this was because throughout my life where contentment or joy were occurring, there always seemed to be a pattern of sadness and pain. So I associated the two together and that's something that you really helped me work through <laughs> with very simple and effective practices of creating these affirmations that resonated with me, writing down my fears um, and then burning them. I'll be honest, it did seem a little woo-woo when I first <laughs> did it, but, I was, but it worked and I felt this wave of reassurance and security in physically burning something that no longer served me. Um, Even birthing Lola, I recall a moment, and this was only three weeks ago, so it's very fresh, but I recall a moment where I felt um, the fear and I was like, this pain is going to kill me. I think death would be easier. And then your voice came in and all I heard you say was breathe in and out. It's okay. You are safe. Your baby is safe. You are strong and you can do this. And that's something you said to me the week prior. And um, it really gave me not only comfort in that moment, but a lot of additional strength and a strong sense of security to trust in my body. Yes. What are some quick tips that you could share for women that are pregnant now and do have these fears surrounding birth? Yeah, there is. there are so many ways that you can look at this. And I think for many of you that are listening that are getting ready to birth or you're not pregnant yet, but the whole thought of having a baby gives you instant fear is to really just journal, journal down. What is it that you're fearing? Like, what is that simply? Like, don't overcomplicate it. What is it? And that might be just take a moment, just take a breath in, a sigh out, or just take just five minutes just to sit in a quiet space and just allow yourself to feel what is the fear? What is it that really is there? And what's the truth around that fear? And write it down. Absolutely writing it down. And when you take it from your mind and put it onto paper, you look at it and you say to yourself, 
Now, is this true? And is this real? Is this really my journey? And really unpacking it. And that's why I love coaching pregnant women is because we can look at the fear and we can change it. We can flip it. We can move it. We can make friends with the fear. I'm not saying to like, Fear is not a place because fear, we need to have a slight amount of fear in moments to help us move through things. But when the fear is unrational, it then sends our anxious mind, our anxious brain, our sympathetic fight, the dinosaur nervous system into full gear. And when you're in fear, you feel more pain, you feel more discomfort, and you are completely standing in your way of allowing your body and your baby to birth. So by writing it down allows you to take it out of your mind onto paper. And if you want to do a ritual around it, then you do what Chris did, which was go out, burn it, say goodbye to it. This is not my journey. And often um, it's it's listening and other people's fears. You take them on. We carry so many other people's stories so really understand, is this story really true? Does, is this really true of this, you know, this moment? And for a lot of listeners that are in a second birth or even a third birth, if you've had a the first birth and it hasn't gone the way you want it to and you may be in a birth trauma, A, go get some advice, work with some amazing birth trauma counsellors in Australia and New Zealand, um, go find somebody uh, to help you with that. But also know that every single pregnancy, every single birth is completely unique. You are delivering and bringing a, a new life into the world. And that baby has its own agenda and its own birth plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just really understanding that no, you cannot compare one birth to the next. Everybody has a different birth. And your body already knows how to do a birth. So allow your body to do what it needs to do, you know. Yeah. And I'm not anti-medical system at all. Um, but knowing and speaking to your care providers and knowing that you align with them, knowing that they're respecting what you need and what your thoughts and mindset is, Um, you know they're there to do their job but often they will sweep past the mindset stuff around birth because they won't maybe ask you about your fear I don't know many midwives that will sit down and talk about fear around a birth and hold space for that because they're time time restricted really loved it when um, we talked that you gave me confidence to speak up about what didn't feel right and I didn't have that in my first birthing experience and whilst I might have had a gut instinct or wanted something or wanted um, you know something a certain way I didn't speak up about how I was feeling and after we had that chat a couple of weeks ago um, I really felt that confidence and in the second experience I was able to say what I wanted without question and that really helped me I was quite lucky I I experienced um, my birth with Lola with a midwife who was very much for this natural lifestyle and she wanted to give me as much um, emotional awareness and she was really present with me mm. uh, so I was really lucky with that but I certainly would have wouldn't have spoken up had you not told me of the importance of it and going with my instincts and I think that's really important because you know 
this is a monumental moment in your life, bringing your baby into the world. And if you've got a midwife that you don't feel is there in, in full presence with you or they're not aligning with you, remember that we don't always get on with every single person. But if you're finding a dis disease in, in, in that whole, you know, you're not feeling easy with them, you're not sort of got that rapport with them mm. you can be really honest and say you know and I did do this I have to tell you I did ask for another midwife I just went I just don't think that we're aligning here I don't I don't feel that we're matched is there anyone else that I can work with and she just looked at me horrified and she was like oh okay and then afterwards she came back about two hours later and went I need to apologize for you thank you for calling me on this because I've actually had a really bad day and thank you I'm really sorry I hope that you know we can I, you know you'll invite me in later if I need to come back in and I'm like sure that's fine but it was you need to feel comfortable with the person that you're working with because they're there bringing your baby into the world with you and you know, you've got the right to say, I just don't think this is working with us as a someone else. Um, and if you've got an obstetrician, the same thing, you know, you've got to be in there asking the questions. Do they support this? Do they support that? You know, all the things that you need to educate yourself on, you know, things like delayed cord clamping, being able to hold your baby, being able to, you know, hold your baby without them taking it straight away and doing the weighing and things, you know, what, what are the things that you want in your birth and visualizing that and that's what I love about doing the coaching as well is offering opportunity for a mother to understand what they want what they're visualizing and going off and educating themselves so that they they really have a visualization of what that looks like and then being able to come together with their care provider and for the respect to be there mutually Mm, I love that. Digressing into something that I know you and I are both quite drawn to is the topic of matrescence and um, that really looks at the developmental transition into motherhood for those that don't know what that is. It's a mind, body and hormonal shift that does sound like adolescence, which is I think um, a sign of how it profoundly impacts our hormonal changes. Mm. What did your transition into the season of motherhood look like for you, Nicola? Oh, they're very different. And again, this is where you can't compare two births at all. Mm. I had done so much education for my first baby um, eight years ago. She's eight now. And I was really excited, like so excited. I had my first baby at 38 and I was deemed as the, you know, geriatric mum because, you know, that's what they deem you now when you get to a certain age in, in, in birth. And I was really wanting to do it the right way, holistic. And being a holistic therapist, I wanted to do things as naturally as possible, but very open to allowing the birth to be what it needed to be. Um, and I did the hypnobirthing and I then obviously did the breathing. And when I came into being 42, I was 42 weeks and four days. So I was very overdue, especially, as they say, at my age. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of fear that that was surrounding that but I stayed very true to using the breath and and knowing and uh, releasing my baby and knowing that she and I both had the path of whatever that was going to be um and coming out of that birth and some people would have deemed that as a traumatized birth because it, it ended up with an emergency c-section 
But she arrived into the world the calmest baby I could have ever have wished for. And I do put that all down to doing the daily rituals, the daily meditation, the breathing, the mindful work. Mm. Um, and I was a very, I felt the most relaxed mum. I was sitting in a mother's group at six weeks, as you do in, in a room with all these other mums. And they were telling the horror stories and they were, you know, mm -hmm. really, really depleted. And I, you know, my little girl didn't sleep very well, but she was a very cruisy, comfortable, happy, discontent baby. And I definitely put that down to how I was, you know, I wasn't anxious. I felt like I was in control and really just allowing myself just to notice every moment of being with her and my husband had to be back um he we both got our own businesses and he had to be back and he works away so he went away the second day after birthing her which was heartbreaking for him but of course left me with a c-section recovery and a brand new baby and no family um, and I had to go home by myself and everyone was worrying and I just kept saying no visitors I'm absolutely fine if you want to drop food off to me you can but mm -hmm. I'm, I just want to sink myself into this recovery and sink myself into being and bonding with this little girl um, and I think people were worried about how I was going to be and honestly I did really well but however <laughs> second baby was a whole another level of different for me mm. um, I had influenza A um, at 38 weeks um, pregnant with her um, very very unwell you know really unwell and they decided to bring her into the world a little bit earlier than I had wanted to and I was desperate for my V back but um, I just wasn't well enough so we did the emergency c-section and she arrived in the in the world screaming like yeah. literally screaming she didn't want to be here she wasn't ready to come um, and knowing her personality now she's all go slow she's she slows us down she keeps mm -hmm. us in in the moment and I know that she just wasn't ready and and I I probably wasn't ready either and again you know not long after having her my husband had to go back and I had another child as obviously as well and I literally just arrived into that motherhood in an anxious state. I hadn't done the work. I was working on the business too much. I hadn't been mindful. I was very resistant, scared, um, all the things about how I was going to cope with two children. Not scared about the birth, but how I was going to cope with two children. Um, she also was born with a few um, health issues, a hole in the heart and all those things. And... And it was traumatic for me. The birth was fine, but the trauma of arriving into motherhood was, it knocked me off my feet. And instead of embracing life and slowing down, I took it to the next pace. I went back to work at three weeks, three weeks post C-section. <laughs> and I worked myself to the ground for a year, like a full year. I didn't stop. I absolutely didn't stop. And I remember being on holiday in Nusa, and I looked across the, you know, I was on my laptop working while on holiday. And I looked across at my husband with my, my girls in the pool. And I remember looking at my baby and thought, I don't even know who you are. I feed you. I breastfeed you all the time. But I actually haven't connected to you. And it, in that moment, I realized I was having postnatal depression. And it was 
it was intense it hit me like a like a train and I said to my husband let's move let's move up to from Sydney to the Gold Coast let's change our lives let's do this and he was over the moon and that's when it hit me when I stopped I arrived into the hurricane of anxious mind, overthinking, sadness, you know, just really feeling that vulnerability and not knowing who to even talk to, who to even like reach out to. I didn't have friends that understood me. I was 40 with two small children, my family in the UK, like no one would understand who I was. And I can almost tell you it felt like being in a swimming pool where I could hear the noise, but I couldn't reach the top. I was like I was swimming in life. I wasn't really knowing how to sort of get to the top, how to get on top of it. Um, And then obviously I arrived into the breathing again, and that's the saviour for me. So, yeah, in a long short, that was my transition into motherhood. It was pretty epic. (laughs) Wow, what an incredible experience you've had for both of them. And, you know, that second birthing experience you already had another one at home and that would have just been so much pressure on you at that time Mm. postnatal depletion is something that I'm confident that I experienced with Jesse my 18 month old when he was first born and I think that among women you know postnatal depletion and postnatal depression I want to share and express how important it is to have an understanding of what these are because you begin when you're in that transition of motherhood you are in a state of depletion and some people might excuse it for I'm overtired or I'm just really hungry or, you know, but you're not in the correct state of mind to accurately pinpoint and determine your emotions. Mm. So being, being, you know, able to do the work before your baby comes into the world and before you begin that transition into motherhood, it's really important to know and be self-aware to be able to reach out and say, hold on a minute, I'm not okay because I feel like a lot of women just continue to go down the rabbit hole with and they say I'm okay I'll be fine I'll be fine I'll be fine and then they're at rock bottom and they're trying to climb out and they're stuck um so yeah I definitely feel like it's a conversation that just needs to be brought to the surface a lot more and I feel also that a lot of women are expected to be okay Mm -hmm. especially second time round and I will call you on that as well Chris like honestly second time round I think that our our, our partners just think, well, she did it the first time. She's totally got this. But yeah. it is another level of coping, trying to deal with two children. And each again, each baby is different. You know, you might be blessed to have a second child that's really crazy. You might have what I had, a colic baby that had health issues and, and you're depleted. But I remember thinking, I'm not okay, but I can't actually say the words because I'll be a failure as soon as I say I'm not okay. And I don't want to go and see the doctor because I don't want to go on medication. Um, But I'll be all right. I'll pick myself up and I'll be okay. Mm. And I think for a lot of women, we are frightened to say that we're not all right because we might get judged or we might look like we're deemed as not coping. And then the vulnerability that comes with those words and expressing that you're not okay just brings in a ton of other other feelings in life that, you know, you'll get judged and people won't know how to behave around you and you know, and I, I, I'll be all right. It will, I'll be okay. And I remember saying to myself, I'll be all right. Just get today out of the way. 
no, I'll be all right tomorrow because, you know, I'm doing this or, you know, just trying to head into play groups but not connecting with women because I was so depleted. And I think a lot of women are are cruel to each other as well, you know. They don't actually really look at another woman and bring them in and show them warmth or ask them if they're okay. And often that's because we're all in the mask of I'm all right. So when you look at another mom who looks like she's got herself dressed really well or her kids look like they're really made up well and you wouldn't ever say to them, I'm not okay, because you'd be fear of the judgment, right? Right, yes. And those conversations are not happening. Those conversations between women are not happening as much as I'd like to see because, you know, we're all we're all vulnerable when we have babies. And there's something that I'm really strong about is that, you know, many years ago, we would have a village, you know, a village feel, um, a mom, a woman who birthed, we'd have her mother or her grandmother or her, her village of women around her to help her bring the baby up. And that baby would have been surrounded by so many other other mothers that would have helped them. They would have brought food. They would have brought supplies. They would be asking the mother to go have a sleep, to do all those things. And unfortunately, as time's gone on, our villages have, have deteriorated. They've changed. We are now, as women, also career women. We are multitaskers. We've, we, we've got it all together. We're, we're also breadwinners now as well, as mothers, as, you know, all the things. And we've almost brought it to ourselves where we're not okay to say we're not okay now, you know, because... We're meant to have all our shit together, you know. We're meant to be able to to navigate this. But are we? Are we able to? And are we doing okay? Mm. You know? Mm. I find it super interesting, um, the whole it takes a village. Because even in some cultures today, it's quite intriguing to me that in still in some societies, people, you know, when a woman has a baby, the people don't just surround the baby. They take the baby away and everyone comes around the mother. And the mother's cared for, the mother's bathed, the mother's, you know, given water and and this village of of people around the mother, she's the priority. Um, The baby's well looked after, but they're a baby and all they're going to do is, you know, um, sleep and cry. So just, you know, they all surround the mum and I think that's something that's lost in Western society and something that we need to maybe encourage more of. I think so. And I think also knowing... And for any of you out there listening, it's that feeling of being alone is a big, intense feeling. Like all of a sudden you may have gone from working really hard to then being at home all day and scrolling through your social media, seeing all the, the you know, influences with their young babies looking like they're, they're you know, five-starring life, mm-hmm. you know, the comparison that you feel, the judgment in yourself is is huge and that's what then spikes more anxiety so it's that thing of how are you going to navigate motherhood if you haven't got there yet and how could you bring a support around you how can you create your own village how can you surround yourself with women who are of you know alignment and often I think with mothers is that we team together with other mothers because the only the thing we've got in 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 common is our babies but are they actually aligned you know are they women that you would usually hang around with and do they make you feel energized or do you walk away feeling completely depleted um 
And again, we're not always going to get on with everybody, but finding your the other females that you can really absorb yourself with and you can be vulnerable with and you can show them that you're having good days and bad days and you hold each other up. Um, they're, they're the people to find. And then there's the other thing of where do you find them? Is it mother's groups? Is it, you know, your healthcare provider organizing those, those um, meetups? I think in Australia compared to the UK, there's a lack of that kind of service for, for postnatal um, care. Um, and it's just, you know, knowing you can't compare yourself to the next mum. Again, you know, like everybody's got their own journey. But it's being soft and gentle and just honouring each other that you've all arrived into motherhood together and, you know, just not judging, not comparing and just sending love to each other and just, you know, feeling soft in the moments because it's hard work. There's no doubt about it. It's the depletion, the sleep deprivation, they're not feeding ourselves properly, Mm. um, not looking after our body. Um, and I guess that's what I see with women that are, are attracted to the breath work is that they've come from maybe, you know, early postnatal or even five years postnatal. And they're saying, I really let myself go. I actually have not been looking after myself. I don't allow myself to have rests. I don't eat properly. I eat the scraps off my children's plates or I eat toast because that's all I've got time for. And and there's another thing that comes with being in postnatal is that all of a sudden our new job is to be full time in the home. And that means that we've got to have our house really clean and tidy and we've got to provide a dinner on the table for our partners when they come home and their children need to be a certain way and everyone needs to look like they've got themselves together. But I want to call BS on that because it doesn't need to be like that. You know, it's about being out in nature, going outside, you know, giving yourself, you know, sun and walking and just trying to be outdoors as much as possible and giving yourself the rests when your baby sleeps. You know, that's one I always tell people, don't feel guilty about having a rest. Yes. (laughs) And don't make sure that you're asking for, could you make, if someone offers to make you food, Say yes, please. That's something that I've been learning. It's taken a lot of time, but I have really struggled for a long time to say yes, please give me this. You know, when someone offers me something, I'll I'll argue back and be like, no, it's okay, I don't need it. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to be looked after. Yes. And then also being able to say no as well. That's the other, the boundaries about, you know, family wall wanting to come in and be in the house. Sometimes you just need to be able to say, actually, no, I love to have you here. But today I just need to actually rest and and have a firm boundary, being able to say no confidently Um, and being able to say no to playdates. I remember my first baby, I literally just used to be playdate after, well, not playdate, but, you know, mother date. Um, (laughs) Fear of missing out, like fear of missing out on friendship and connection. But then you get depleted because you're running around trying to, you know, be with other women and and that's where it comes to did they align did I walk away from that that catch-up feeling completely you know sucked dry because they weren't my person you know mm. being yeah. careful who you spend your time with when you're postnatal yeah yeah absolutely Nicola what are some resources that you can encourage women to take part in 
uh, to support them if they are suffering with PND, postnatal depletion, postnatal depression. Um, I think if you know that your birth experience has been a trauma, there are a few people which I will tell Chris about at the end and she can probably put it on the show notes. Um, I've got someone that I work or I would refer to in New South Wales and she does everything on Skype or Zoom. Um, but the big charities that I love to support are Cope. Cope, mm-hmm. a great one. Um, and they, if you're a family member listening to this podcast and you want to learn how to support your family member as they come out from their pregnancy or in pregnancy, because anxiety can start there, there's a really good, um, they've got good resources on there for families too. The other one is Panda. Panda do some amazing um, help helplines you can ring them and beyond blue i mean we all know beyond blue so they're the three main go-tos for charities and organizations that will help you but also really going and seeing your gp and you know they'll offer you medication often but if you know that you just really need to talk um going and seeing a psychologist for dealing with you know heading into you know, motherhood and mm. being able to have you get so many sessions for free um, to help you with these things. And often women don't realize that that's available on Medicare. Going and seeing somebody, you know, that was something that I did um, when I first moved up here. As I had, I think it was 10 sessions with this amazing guy who really helped me just to really unpack some of my stuff that was coming up for me with having my own children. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just changing the tune a little bit, Nicola, um, just to ask you a final question, but the question that I do find um, usually either motivates or inspires me to start injecting to my day-to-day, what is something that you do that takes care of you from the inside out each day that's a non-negotiable? Oh, of course, it's going to be breathing for me. (laughs) Yes, yep. (laughs) My daily ritual is as soon as I wake out of my bed in the morning, I start the breath. So, you know, you know, just sighing or just doing a deeper breath. And I carry that on the whole way to either making my smoothie or a kettle, putting the kettle on. Or I will come downstairs because we've got a downstairs room that I've set up for me as a little area of ritual, which I'm in now. And I do my cards and my journaling and I do um, as in oracle cards or intention cards. And I do a five to ten minute breath work every single day. It doesn't always have to be in the morning. It could be at any point of your day, but always arriving in the breath with purpose every single day and then just having moments through the day that help me to bring myself back to the moment rather than racing on ahead or thinking about what was and I always do a breath in a sigh out or you know breathing on purpose just bringing the breath with intention bringing that consciousness to the moment is my absolute inside out non-negotiable for me um, and journaling as well. I do lots of journaling and just, yeah, bringing in simplicity into everything I do, finding the joy in the moments, even if that's like, you know, making beds or, you know, just trying to breathe and feel and, yeah, being out in nature, just all the things that are nature's, you know, into nature is the most simplistic way to bring yourself back to the moment and breathe in that nature as well. Mm, I 
really love that and I'm really excited to do um, some work with you personally in the future because I would love to be able to be in such a habit of doing those things every morning. Um, and I like that you touched on that you start your breath work um, and moving, making the bed, getting out of bed, going down to the kitchen. Um, sometimes I feel like as, you know, women, we're control freaks and we want things to be perfect and, yes. you know, I feel like well, you can't do that unless you're in a certain position and no one, you know, there's no one in the house and it's quiet and it's dark and all these things that you need to create yeah. space rather than like you just said then, you just start your day and you just go and you do that. You have injected your breath work into your daily rituals, which is making a coffee, you know. So I really, really love that. Nicola, I wanted to, can I just actually just yes. quickly touch on that when you have got a new baby and you're sitting there breastfeeding or you're feeding them or bottle feeding them, come off your social media, come right off, either do a guided meditation on like, I love Insight Timer. Insight Timer is an amazing other resource if you want to do a guided meditation or a guided oh. breath work. And, um, and come off your social media. It is anxiety ridden. It is gonna is gonna stop you. It's gonna stop you enjoying the moments of breastfeeding. It's gonna stop you enjoying the moments of looking at your baby, looking at their hands and their face and their little noses and their bodies. And just bring the breath in. Just sit and absorb your your little person and and enjoy the breath enjoy the moment and relax rather than sitting hunched up with your shoulders up around your ears and scrolling <laughs> you know I'm going to hear your voice every time I do that now saying get off social media <laughs> which is good that's a good thing because it's it's a habit and you know we almost want it to hurry up like we're sitting there with our with the clock on going hey you know all the things we've got to do rather than just being present with our newborn so I love that you said that thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> Nicola thank you for your time your wisdom for everything here today it's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to share this chat with you for oh. anyone that wants to connect or maybe work with you where is the best place to find you you know at the moment I am changing all my platforms around so I do have a website which is nicolalay.com but um, I am changing that so you can find me mostly on Instagram I know I'm not saying to go on, on the social media <laughs> all my up-to-date um, ability to connect with me is in there um, but you know go on my website send me an email if you've got any questions or anything that's triggered you in this in this podcast please come and ask me anything that's on your mind yeah and I'll obviously tag you and um, put everything in the show notes so that you're really easy to locate. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Really beautiful. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.